Thank you so much. Good music. Wow, that's a blessing, isn't it? I mean, that was worth coming for. I tell you, I was worth coming for all the way from Indiana. I didn't know, brother, you could sing. <laughs> I, I, I noticed you were just mouthing it. <laughs> but uh, that was sweet. That was really good. Praise God for good music. You know, that's, uh, that's a, one of the first things I look for going to church. What kind of music they have. That would be one of the first things. So, uh, and then what kind of Bible they use. And uh, praise the Lord for it. Uh, those two things uh, uh, being good here, praise the Lord. So, well, how many would rather be here than in jail? Say amen. amen. Wow, praise God, we're moving the right direction. That's good. We're on the way to revival, right? And uh, we'll see how many tomorrow will uh, rather be here than somewhere else I got mine. Okay, so hope you come back tomorrow and uh, uh, be in your place, you know, be in your place. Uh, Gideon was in his, you know, the people were in the place. It talks about how they were in the place. They were in their place. And that's why they won a mighty victory, because everybody was in their place. But when Christians aren't in their place, well, I tell you what, uh, the devil gets a victory. And so you be in your place uh, tomorrow, uh, uh, if you would, please. Uh, unless the rapture takes place, you know, we'll excuse you for that. And uh, whoever's left, left can take over, you know. Uh, and, uh, but anyway, uh, or, or you're just so, so sick you can't go to work, okay? And uh, so I hope you'll uh, be here tomorrow uh, that God uh, would uh, uh, bless us. All right, let's take our Bible this evening, if you will, and turn with me to the book of Revelation. Uh, I want to preach a preparatory message uh, tonight. Uh, kind of a preparatory message. Um, uh, and uh, so uh, if you take your Bible, go to Revelation chapter number 2. Uh, Revelation chapter 2. This is a message that uh, God gave to me uh, when uh, my wife went to be with the Lord. So uh, I hope it will be a blessing and a help to you. Uh, God has uh, used it in, in uh, other places, and, and I trust it will be a, a blessing to you. Revelation chapter number 2, verse number 8. And under the angel of the church in Smyrna write, These things saith the first, the last, which was dead, is alive. I know thy works in tribulation and poverty, that thou art rich. I know the blasphemy of them which say they are Jews and are not, but are the synagogue of Satan. Fear none of those things which thou shalt suffer. Behold, the devil shall cast some of you into prison, that ye may be tried, and ye shall have tribulation ten days. Be thou faithful unto death, and I will give thee a crown of life. All right, let's look the Lord's word of prayer. Father, we just thank you for every opportunity to open the Bible. And I pray you'll use the Bible in our midst tonight. Uh, Lord, help us to be open to your spirit. Help us, uh, Lord, to uh, not just hear the word of God, but to apply it and to make decisions on the basis of it. And, uh, Lord, that uh, you would help us uh, to realize that's the only way we grow. We make decisions. And, and uh, I pray you'll help people to grow uh, tonight and be prepared uh, for uh, what uh, is inevitable in life. And so we uh, pray it all in Jesus' precious name and for his sake. Amen. Amen. Have you found out that things don't always work out the way you want them to? 
Have you found out they don't always work out the way you'd like them to work out, you know? Or the way you think they uh, should work out? Have you found out that to be true? Well, you know, if you haven't, just wait a while. You're going to find that out, okay? Uh, you're going to find that out. Most of us have found that out already. Things don't always work out the way we uh, would want them uh, to work out. And so uh, this evening, I want to uh, uh, give to you uh, two uh, things about this truth. Two things about this truth. And that is, first of all, I want to give you uh, the fact that this truth is found in the Bible. This truth is found uh, in the Bible, that things don't always work out the way you would want them to work out, the way you think they ought to work out. Um, I, I want you to see that it's in the Bible. It's, it's many places in the Bible. I, I uh, am going to give you a few, a few illustrations of, of uh, where it is uh, in the Bible. And uh, uh, so uh, I want you to see that. Uh, this evening, that uh, this truth is found uh, illustrated uh, in uh, uh, the Bible. Uh, let's look at a few illustrations of this in Matthew chapter 14, if you will. Uh, take your Bible, go to Matthew chapter 14 in the Word of God. And uh, the Bible tells us there of John uh, the Baptist, uh, a great man of God. You know, probably the Bible says there's none greater born of women than John the Baptist. He, he was just a, a, a superman of God. And uh, we find here in Matthew 14, uh, just uh, I'm going to read it uh, very quickly. You follow along as I read at that time, verse 1. Herod the Tetrarch heard of the fame of Jesus and said to his servants, This is John the Baptist. He is risen from the dead. Therefore, mighty works do show forth themselves in him. For Herod had laid hold on John and bound him and put him into prison for Herodias' sake, his brother Philip's wife. For John said to him, It is not lawful for thee to have her. And when he would have put him to death, he feared the multitude because uh, that uh, uh, they counted him as a prophet. But when Herod's birthday was kept, the daughter of Herodias danced before him and pleased Herod. Whereupon he promised with an oath to give her whatsoever she would ask. And she, being instructed of her mother, said, Give me here John the Baptist's head and a charger. And the king was very sorry was sorry, nevertheless, for an oath's sake. And them which sat with him at meat, he commanded it to be given her. And he said to beheaded John the prison, and his head was brought in a charger given to a damsel. Uh, and she brought it to her mother. And his disciples came and took her the body and buried it. And went and told Jesus. And when Jesus heard of it, he departed thence by a ship into a desert place apart. And when the people had heard thereof, they followed him on foot out of the cities. Now here is the situation uh, you, that you would think would have worked out differently. Uh, John the Baptist, great man of God, great preacher of the word of God. And uh, uh, he uh, preaches against sin. You know, and uh, uh, he, someone said he preached his head off. You know, he preached his head right off because he preached against sin. And, uh, you know, it's not popular to preach against sin. <laughs> it's not a popular name sin, you know. Uh, uh, but uh, that's, that's the kind of preacher John the Baptist was. And that's the kind of preacher we need. If we're going to ever have a revival, we need to have preachers who uh, are not afraid to preach against sin and name it and call it out. And that's the way John the Baptist was. Was well, not popular to do that. And people get upset. And Herodias' wife got all upset. Now, uh, Herodias is, or excuse me, uh, Herodias, uh, uh, the, the wife of uh, John the Baptist, got, uh, or, or of uh, Herod, got all upset. Because John the Baptist said, Herod, you are living in sin. It's not lawful for you. See, uh, Herod had divorced his wife. 
And uh, uh, Herodias had uh, left her husband, and uh, the two of them got together, John the Baptist and Herodias. And John the Baptist said, hey, that's sin. You're living in sin. And oh, boy, did Herodias ever get mad. You know, she got upset. And, uh, you know, uh, when uh, women get upset, look out, you know. <laughs> I mean to tell you, there are more uh, problems in churches because, uh, ladies, I'm not... You know, I'm not being mean about this, but boy, if the women get upset, it's it's uh, Katie bar the door. I mean, uh, you can have all kinds of problems. And so, ladies, I hope you won't be that kind of lady, okay? Don't be like Herodias, all right? Don't be a Herodias, you know? Uh, but anyway, uh, we find that, uh, uh, you know, she wanted to get at John the Baptist, but, you know, the people uh, loved John the Baptist. He was a prophet, and they they said, uh, you know, believed he was sent from God. And so, uh, you know, Herod said, we can't do anything. Boy, this will upset the people. But there was a birthday party that came. Uh, Herod's birthday uh, came. And, uh, you know, they had a great big birthday party. And involved in this birthday party was some sensuous dancing. Some lustful uh, things were involved here. And we see that the daughter of Herodias came in and she danced before Herod. And he was so caught up in lust that he did something that, you know what, he regretted doing, you know? And that's the thing. Uh, you know, uh, you can get uh, involved in lust and you'll end up doing something that will make you stupid. It'll make you stupid and you'll wonder why in the world you did it, you know? Uh, but that's lust. That's why you need to stay away from lustful things, you know, lustful movies, lust, lustful pictures and, and uh, uh, keep pornography out of your life and, and uh, uh, you know, because it will cause you to do something really stupid. And uh, what was the stupid thing that John did? Uh, that Herod did, he said, you can have up, up to half my kingdom. Now, that's kind of dumb. You know, offer, uh, offer a teenage girl half the kingdom? I mean, uh, I mean, he's not thinking right, right? I mean, listen, when, when you get sin in your life, you don't think right. You know, you, that's why you need to keep sin out of your life. It'll cause you to think wrong thoughts. It'll cause you to do things that, you know, are going to cause great heartache to your life. So, uh, you know, here's all. And then Herod, he says, oh, he said, you know, uh, he uh, says this. And so this teenage girl, Herodias, she doesn't know what to ask for. So she goes to her mom and says, mom, what's your, I'm going to have up to half the kingdom. What's you ask for? And boy, Herodias seizes her opportunity. She sees her opportunity to get old John the Baptist, you know, because she is filled with vengeance. She is filled with hatred towards this man who's preaching and so she sees her opportunity and she says as for John the Baptist's head on a charger that's a plate they used to serve it's not a Dodge vehicle you know uh, but uh, uh, Dodges have uh, the, you know uh, a style of car named Charger used to I don't know if they do anymore but anyway that's a plate they used to serve uh, uh, on a Charger and so he, he says as for John the Baptist's head on a Charger and so uh, you know he, she goes this teenage girl goes to John John says, I want uh, the head of John the Baptist on a charger. And verse 9 says, the king was sorry. He said, oh, why in the world did I ever tell that, you know? Well, all he had to do is to say, look, at I, I made a dumb statement. I'm sorry. I, I can't do that. But you know what? He didn't do what was right to do because he belonged to the thoughts of his friends. Do you know why a lot of people don't do right? Because they belong to, well, what will my thing, friends think? What will my relatives say if I start going to that Bible and Baptist church? What will, the, what will the people say that my friends, my relatives? And you know what? A lot of people bail out and do what's right because they belong to the thoughts of their friends. I hope you will learn to belong to the thoughts of God. Amen. 
and the thoughts of the Word of God and say, you know what? I'm not going to go along uh, to please people. I'm going to do what's right to do. And you know, Herod was not a man who was committed to doing what's right. Are you committed to doing what's right to do? What's the right thing to do? You know, that's a simple thing. You know, it's very simple. You know, I remember uh, Dr. Bob Jones Sr. I went to school back in the good old days of the school. And, uh, you know, he'd say, do right to the stars fall. Do what's right to do. Say, always, I'm going to do what's right to do, you know. And whether I sink or swim, I'm going to do what's right to do. And I'll tell you what, uh, that was drummed into me. He would repeat that over and over, you know. I think think, uh, things need to be repeated, you know, because I'll tell you what, we don't get them first time, Amen. I mean, we're thick scald, and we uh, let it go in one ear and out the other. So they need to be repeated over and over and over again. Say, people used to criticize Dr. Bob Sr. So he's always repeating. And I said, man, he, I need it. I need to hear it. You know, I need to have it drummed in me. And you know what? It's helped me down the road. It's helped me do right. It's helped me. And I'm so glad for some of those things he taught us and preached about just constantly, you know, constantly rip it away. Preach of those things. And I'm so glad for it. And many of those guys who, uh, you know, didn't like it, uh, they're on the other side of the fence. They've gone the wrong way, see. Uh, instead of, uh, you know, just saying, hey, you know, I need that. God wants me to have that because I've heard it so many times. God, my, I, I, God wants me to still have it. You know, I haven't gotten it yet. I haven't gotten it, you know. And I tell you what, have you gotten it? Have you gotten doing right yet, you know? Well, old John the Baptist, you know, um, uh, he uh, does what's right. And uh, you know what? Doing what's right uh, sometimes isn't going to uh, be pop- Most of the time it's not going to be popular. Most of the times, uh, you know what? Uh, in this society, in this world that uh, is built on uh, paradise lost, uh, built on uh, the worldly system of uh, anti-God, you know what? Doing right, uh, you know, may get you into trouble. And that's what happened to John the Baptist. He did what was right. He preached against sin. And it was right. And he got in trouble. But you know what? You know what? I'll tell you what. And that is, when you do what's right, never forget there is an eternity. There's an eternity coming. And folks, if it wasn't for the fact that there was an eternity coming, I mean, I tell you what, perhaps I would uh, give in to not doing right. You know, but there's an eternity coming and he turns forever and ever and ever and ever. And you know what? You choose to do right down here. And I'll tell you something. John the Baptist came out a winner. I mean, it may look like he came out a loser. He lost his head. He came out a winner. Why? Because there's an eternity. And John the Baptist is going to man, be a man that is going to bring uh, uh, great glory to God. And he's, uh, uh, he's going to win in eternity, say, because he did what was right. He did what was right no matter what it cost. I mean, Herod could have, he could have backed out, but he, he belonged to the thoughts of his friends. You know, why don't people make decisions they ought to make? Why don't husbands come down the aisle sometime? Well, what will my wife think? Why don't uh, uh, wives come down the aisle? Well, what will my husband think? Why, why don't kids come down, teenagers come down the aisle and make decisions they know they ought to make? I'll tell you why they belong. Well, what would this person think? Well, 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 why do people not join a good bible in church? Well, what will my relatives say? You know, what will they think? You know, that's why they don't do right. And you know what? You're going to lose. You're going to lose. 
You're going to lose in this life. You're going to lose your family probably. You'll probably lose, uh, uh, you know, the joy of the Lord. And you'll lose in eternity. Oh, I'll tell you something, folks. You need to decide that you're going to do what's right no matter uh, uh, what uh, it may cost you. And, and so here we find John the Baptist, you know. And you'd think it worked out different. He lost his head. You'd think it worked out different. He's a great man of God. Don't you think it would have worked out? I mean, where was God? Why did God allow this great preacher of being mightily used to God? Why did God allow his head to be cut off? You know? Where was God? You, you may uh, think that it didn't work out the way you'd think it'd work out. I mean, wouldn't you think that God would just come down and deliver John the Baptist from this wicked woman? Didn't work out that way, did it? Things don't always work out the way you think they ought to work out, even in the Bible. Uh, there's another illustration of this in, in Acts chapter 12. Uh, if you want to go there, Acts chapter 12, uh, the Bible uh, tells us about another Herod. You know, uh, by the way, don't ever name your kid Herod, okay? I mean, it's just not got a lot of good uh, background to it, you know? Not a lot of good heritage there, say. I mean, Herod was uh, a man that uh, uh, everywhere you see him, he's, he's not doing right, you know? Herod. And here's another Herod. And this Herod uh, is uh, uh, upset with the, uh, this church. He's upset with the believers at, at Jerusalem. And uh, uh, so he, uh, he wants to make friends with the Jews. The great persecutors of the, Jew, uh, of the early church were the Jews. I mean, they were the great persecutors of that early church. And so Herod wants to get on the good side of these uh, uh, Jewish people. And so uh, he arrests two of the leaders of the early church, James and, uh, and Peter. Uh, and verse uh, number one. Now about that time Herod the king stretched forth his hands to vex certain the church. And he killed James the brother of John with the sword. And because he saw it pleased the Jews he proceeded further to take Peter also. Then were the days of unleavened bread. And, um, and so here we find uh, two uh, great leaders of the early church. James and Peter. Now you would think it would work out different. Wouldn't you, wouldn't you think that uh, you know uh, James would have been delivered. I mean James was a young man. He was a young man. He was a leader of the early church. It's hard to find young godly men uh, who really want to stand for the Lord in the church. You know, I tell you what, uh, uh, what every church needs is some godly young men, young fathers who want to serve God and walk with God, you know. And uh, uh, so you, you would say, well, why would God allow this to this? He was, uh, he was a, a son of thunder. He was a great preacher. He could thunder forth the word of God. You know, he was, he was a great preacher. And he was on the Mount of Transfiguration with Jesus. He was very close to the Lord, you know. And he had this wonderful uh, testimony about him. Uh, these are uh, wonderful characteristics of his life. Where was God? Why did God allow James, this great man of God, great young man, to be killed? And why did he not allow Peter? Why did he, where was God? Why did he allow Peter not to be killed? Peter you know, was not killed, but James was. Where was God? Why did God allow this? You know, we don't know. There's no explanation for it. It's what we call the silence of God. Sometimes God is silent. He doesn't explain everything to us, you know? You see, if everything was explained to us, how could we walk in faith? Right. Good. Say, how are you going to walk in faith if you understand everything? Amen. Say, you're not going to walk in faith. This is a time to walk in faith. See, you're walking in faith. You're trusting God. And God wants you to walk in faith. God wants you to grow in faith. God wants you to have a strong faith. And there are times when God is going to allow things to happen. And you're going to wonder why. I'll tell you why. He's strengthening your faith. That's why. You know, now that may not be the total explanation of all. But I believe that uh, that is a good explanation. He's trying to strengthen your faith. Say, 
And, uh, you know, it's like Charles Haddon Spurgeon said, small faith will take your soul to heaven. Say, you don't need a great faith to be saved. Just take the little faith you got and put it in Jesus. Amen. Right. You see? It's not the, your faith that saves, it's the object of your faith. It's putting your trust in Jesus Christ, say. Take what little faith you got, put in the Lord. And then Charles has this virgin said, though, uh, great faith, you know, small faith will take your uh, soul to heaven, but great faith will bring heaven to your soul, say. A lot of the Christians don't have much heaven in their soul. Don't have much heaven down in their life. You know, it's all world. It's all self. It's all things. Rather than, God and, and uh, walking with God and, and serving God and giving to God's work and, and tithing and, and uh, uh, you know, coming to church and stuff. Say, that takes faith. Yeah. Amen. See, uh, why don't people come to church? They don't have much faith. They just don't have much. Why is it a priority? They don't have much faith. Oh, they got enough faith to get saved. Just take a little faith and, and you know, put it in Jesus. Uh, you know, faith is not a gift of salvation. No. By grace you say through faith, not of yourselves, is a gift of God. That gift is not faith. It's salvation that's the gift. Right. See, faith is, is the object uh, that uh, is the connector to, to the one who brings salvation, and that is the Lord Jesus Christ. So why did God allow this to happen? Uh, we don't have the answer. See, uh, we don't know why God uh, allowed, uh, uh, you know, Peter to be delivered, but he didn't deliver James. No explanation for that. You see, what I'm trying to show you is that sometimes in the Bible even, uh, things don't always turn out the way you think they should or the way that you think they ought to or the way that you would want them to. See, the point is, is that every one of us are going to have something happen to us that we can't understand. We can't understand it. Why did God allow it? Say, in Acts chapter 12 and verse 1 and 2, we see that this is illustrated. See, all of us are going to have adversities in life. Life is uh, a time of adversity. It's not an easy road. The Bible says, uh, you know, woe to them that are ease in Zion. I mean, boy, when you've got everything going your way, you know what? Do you think you, uh, you need to pray much? Uh, when you have everything uh, just going hunky-dory, do you think you need the Bible and you need God and you need the local church much? No. You can start thinking, oh, I don't need to be in church. I don't need to read my Bible. You know, why do, I mean, I, you know, everything's... You see, God knows how human we are. And, and he knows that uh, sometimes he has to allow these things, these adversities to come to say, hey, I need my Bible. I need to read it. I need to get to church. I need to start walking with God. I need to start living for Jesus Christ. You only got one life to do it. Amen. Life's soon going to be passed. Only what's done for Christ will last. Amen. Say, And so, you know, to come to that conclusion, many times God allows these things to happen uh, that we can't understand. Say, And so, uh, you know, adversity is going to come. Uh, I'll tell you what. I would rather go through adversity having the Savior than uh, to go uh, through no adversity and not have the Savior. I would rather say, I tell you what, uh, whatever adversity that you need in your life to get saved is a lot better than going throughout uh, your life and never have any adversity and never get saved. Bob says it's better to, uh, you know, pluck out your eye with your own hand and go to heaven with one eye than to have both eyes and go to hell. See, that's how real hell is. Why would Jesus say that? That's Jesus that says that. Hell's real. 
It's real, folks. Jesus wouldn't say something like that if it wasn't real. It was just a joke. Hell's a real place. Your loved ones are going to go there unless they get saved. Your friends and neighbors are going to go there unless they get saved. Everybody you see is going to go there unless they get saved. You know, we need to get conscious. You know, hell's before the Lord all the time. Bible says in the book, hell's before him. We need to get hell back before us as Christians. We need to get, well, you see that guy, he's going to hell if he doesn't get saved. Some of you meet at the store, she's going to hell unless you get saved. We need to get hell before us. Say, keep it there. Don't ever, you know, don't ever forget what you were saved from. Hell! Never forget it. That's the only way to keep the fire burning in your soul is never forget what you were saved from. You were saved from hell. That's what we deserved. You were saved from what you uh, deserved. Well, there's another place in the Bible I want you to see. And that is in Hebrews chapter 11, verse 36. Take your Bible, go to Hebrews chapter number 11 and verse 36. And uh, I want you to note, uh, uh, let's start at verse 32, Hebrews chapter 11. Here we see another place where things don't work out the way we think they should. And Lord's verse 32, And what shall I more say? For the time would fail me to tell of Gideon and of Barak and of Samson and of Jephthah, of David also and Samuel and of the prophets who through faith subdued kingdoms, through righteousness obtained promises, stopped the mounds of lions, quenched the violence of fire, escaped the edge of the sword, out of weakness were made strong, waxed valiant in fight, turned to flight the armies of aliens. Women received their dead uh, raised to life again. And now just stop there for a minute. Look up here. Wouldn't you like to be a part of that crowd? Yes. Yeah. If we had a church sign-up list, you know, most churches have sign-up lists. I haven't seen that yet, Pastor. You know, where you sign up for things. You know, okay. Anyway, but, uh, you know, most churches have sign-up lists. And, uh, boy, I tell you what, if we had a sign-up list in the back of the church tonight uh, of people that would like to be numbered with this group, it would be filled. Boy, my name, I'd like to see, you know, uh, the violence of fire quenched, wouldn't you? Like, oh, uh, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego saw, huh? Uh, you know, wouldn't you like to see uh, lions uh, lay down like Daniel did and, and uh, uh, just lose all of their appetite for Jewish meat, you know? Uh, wouldn't you like to see that? I would. Oh, these are, these are great uh, uh, men here are mentioned and, and God worked wonderfully in their behalf and delivered them and, and they saw great miracles uh, happen. But wait a minute. Let's go back to verse 35 uh, and pick it up where we left off. And others were tortured, not accepting deliverance. God didn't answer their prayer. Have you ever had a prayer not answered? I have. God didn't answer the prayers of these people. They were, uh, the Bible says uh, uh, that they might attain a better resurrection. See, they're, uh, listen, when you go through a, a time of, of trial and difficulty and you are faithful and you are true, you are going to have it better in heaven than someone who never went through a trial or they went through the trial and they fell by the wayside. You're going to have a better resurrection. See, not everybody's alike in heaven. Right. See, uh, you get to heaven the same way. Everybody gets to heaven the same way through faith in Jesus Christ. But all, all people in heaven are going to be alike. You know why? Because some people went through trials and they blew it. And they stopped coming to church. And they stopped reading their Bible. And they stopped serving the Lord. And they got bitter towards God. They're not going to have a better resurrection. 
These people are going to have a better resurrection. Verse 36, and others had trial, cruel mockings and scourgings, yea, moreover bonds and imprisonment. They put in prison. They weren't delivered. They were stoned. You ever been stoned? You know, it's a horrible thing. They were stoned, the Bible says. They were sawn asunder, which means they were laid down and they took a saw and they cut it right in two with the saw. They were sawn asunder. They were tempted. They were slain with a sword. They wandered about in sheepskins and goatskins. They didn't have much. They maybe lost their jobs. Because they took their stand for God. Maybe they lost their relatives. Everybody bailed out on them. And sheepskins, goatkins, being destitute, afflicted, tormented. And look what the Bible says here. Of whom the world was not worthy. Amen. They wandered in the deserts and in mountains and dens and caves of their earth. These all, having obtained a good report through faith, received not the promise. You say, Brother Gerald, I know why these people went through what they went through. They were backslidden. They were out of fellowship with God. They were worldly and carnal Christians. Well, many times uh, that's what happens to uh, people who are worldly and backslidden and carnal Christians. God does jason them. God does allow uh, things to come to their life. You know, the way the transgressor is hard, whether you're saved or you're not saved. It's a hard way, you know, the way a transgressor. And so uh, you say, that's why uh, they weren't delivered. The other guys were, 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 they were delivered. I don't believe so at all. I don't believe that at all. I don't believe these people are backslidden. I believe that they were close to God, walking with God. The reason why is because the Bible says the world wasn't worthy of them. And the Bible says they having attained a good report. They had a good testimony. They were servants of God. They were walking with God. They were living for the Lord. They were in church on Wednesday night. Uh, you know, if we could put it in our modern day culture, you know, Bible culture. They were there. They were faithful. You could count on them. They were tithers and givers. Even though they went through great difficulty. They said, I'm going to stay true to the Lord. Amen. I'm going to walk with God. I'm not going to bail out. I'm not going to stop doing what God wants me to do. I'll tell you what, God has been so good to me. Every one of you young people, listen to me. I'm so glad that when I was 18 years old, I gave it all to Jesus. I said, Lord, here's my life. I give it to you. I want to do your will. I want to just walk with God. And you know what? God has been so good to me. So good to me. You know, but I'll tell you something. You mark it down. That's what's going to happen when you give your all to the Lord. It's just not me. It's not because I'm somebody special. I tell you, it's because God honors people who will just give all to him. God will bless people who will let him take first place and be priority in their life. He really will. He'll bless you. But you mark it down. There's going to come a time in your life, if you are surrendered to walk with God, where... You are going to be faced with a circumstance and you're going to say, God, why would you allow this? Here I am, walk with you. I've been serving you, Lord. I've been going to church, reading my Bible and praying and going sorting and tithing. And Lord, why would you allow this to happen in my life? There's going to come a time in your life, sometime, someplace, where that's going to happen in your life. Oh, listen, what is... Uh, uh, the response we should make when these times happen, when we don't understand why God would allow them to happen. 
You know, what is the response that God wants you and I to make when these things take place? I want you to see it's found here in Revelation, our text, Revelation chapter 2. So I want you to see the response that uh, uh, we ought to make and that God wants you to make when these things happen in your life, when things happen and you don't understand why would God allow it, you know, and uh, you just uh, have a struggle about it and uh, you you are just up uh, topsy-turvy uh, as to why uh, God would allow it. Now, how should we respond? Notice, uh, first of all, Revelation chapter 2, verses 8 uh, through um, 10. We find here uh, that there are some people involved uh, in this passage of Scripture right here, these verses 8 through uh, 10. First of all, uh, the people involved here are people who are rich. The Bible says, verse 9, I know thy works, tribulation, poverty, but thou art rich. Now, they were not rich in money. They were not rich in material things. They were rich in spiritual things. They were rich walking with God. They were rich in serving the Lord. That's how you get rich, folks. Amen. That's how you have real riches. Amen. Is when you're faithful to the Lord, you're serving Him, and you're laying up treasure then. See, yeah. You can have riches up in glory when you uh, are walking with God. See, these are people who are spiritually rich. These are not people who are backslidden. They're not out of fellowship with God. They're right with God. They're serving the Lord. They're spiritually rich. But notice there's someone else involved here in this passage of Scripture. These people are being persecuted. Uh, these people, some are being put to death. They're being put to death. You know, that could very well happen to us. Yes. The way things are going in this world. My son is teaching his children to be prepared to be martyrs. And I tell you, I don't think that's an unwise thing to do. Because the way things are going. uh, Those of us who stand for the word of God and and won't surrender and won't compromise it, we could be thrown in jail. We really could, the way things are going. We've had a little reprieve, praise God, amen. Boy, I tell you what, I hope that reprieve continues next voting season too. (laughs) But anyway, uh, you know, I tell you what, uh, uh, see, uh, the Bible tells us here uh, uh, that there was somebody else involved. And who was involved? Satan is involved. The, look at verse uh, number 9 at the end. But are uh, the synagogue of Satan. See, Satan uses people. Satan uses people to derail you and distract you and me. He uses relatives. He uses uh, children to distract you and to get you to bail out. Of walk with God. Pastor Dr. Volk and I were talking about that. How many, uh, you know, uh, parents will give in to their children. You know, they'll, they'll give in. Well, we know that's the wrong kind of music. You know, that's not the right kind of music. But our kids, you know, they won't go to church unless I go to this church that has this rock around music. Well, don't go there then. Just say, hey, look it, I can't go there. You know, I got to be true to the word of God. I got to be true to what the Bible teaches. I can't, I can't do it. Say, and so, you know, there are just a lot of Christians who will give in. I mean, parents will give in. And that's why they lose their kids. They give in. Amen. They lose their kids. They marry unsaved kids. They marry unsaved boys or girls. Hey, that's a terrible thing to do. Take your stand sweetly, humbly, graciously, but strongly, firmly. Amen. You take your stand and say, we're going to do what's right. Amen. We're going to do what God wants us to do. Not what will please our relatives. Not what will please people. Well, well uh, please God. Amen. Is that your motive in life to please God? 
Do you really want to please him above everyone, your wife, your children, your mom, your dad, your kids? I tell you what, a lot of times that goes out the window, especially when it comes to our children, especially when it comes to our family. We're willing uh, to just not please God because we don't want to displease our family. Dear friend, I pray that uh, you will not allow the devil to get you in that place. Because this is what the devil was trying to get these people to do. He was trying to get them to back up. He was trying to get them to say, you know, why would God allow this? Now, here you are, you're in your pocket, you're praying, going to church. And why would God allow this? Uh, you know, the devil said, why don't you just come up? He whispered and say, oh, why don't you quit? You know, that's what he did to Apostle Paul. When Paul was laying outside of Derby, stoned and blood, he probably came up to him and knelt over and said, hey, Paul, why don't you give up this servant Jesus? I mean, Paul, you could make lots of money. You stay at the feet of Gamaliel and you could make wealth and money and just give up this preaching stuff. And Paul, you know what he did? He struggled to his feet and he wiped the blood off his face he said where's the next town he knew he's gonna be thrown in jail probably everywhere he went said me true the lord oh i'll tell you something folks we need to have a backbone and you know what you need to have a backbone to walk with god you need to have a backbone some people are got a spaghetti noodle for a backbone they just give in it's given every little pressure that comes along these people satan was after them satan's after you He wants you to get bitter. He wants you to begin to murmur and complain and gripe about your circumstances and to get so discouraged and depressed over them. See, Satan can't use a, God cannot use a discouraged man or a woman. He can't use you. Say, if you're going to be used to God, you've got to uh, fight uh, and resist discouragement. And so here the devil is trying to get these people to back up because something happened in their life uh, that uh, they just couldn't understand. They couldn't understand why God would allow it. Let me ask you something tonight. Is there something in your life that didn't happen the way you thought it should? And you haven't gotten over it? You haven't gotten over it? You know, I tell you what, all these reparations that, you know, we hear people talking about. Get over it. Just get over it. People don't want to get over things. They want to just carry it. They just want to carry it all day long, all night long. Through their, They can't sleep at night because they're carrying this all day long. You see, surrender it. Surrender to the Lord. Say, Lord, I don't know what is uh, happening here. I don't understand it all. But Lord, I know you're a great God, a gracious God, a merciful God, a loving God. And I'm just surrendering it to you. That's how you get over it. Is there some things you need to surrender to the Lord tonight? You know what? When you're not surrendered to the Lord in these things, there's no revival. You can't have revival in a church when you got people that aren't surrendering the circumstances of life. You know, maybe you weren't treated by your mother right. Maybe you weren't treated by your husband right. Maybe you weren't treated by your wife right. Maybe you weren't treated by a son or a daughter right. Maybe you weren't treated, uh, you know, right by somebody at work or something else. Your boss didn't treat you right. And there are so many people today filled with bitterness. That's why they're unhappy. And that's why they're so discouraged. And that's why they go to drugs and they go to alcohol and they go to a divorce. And why? Because there's dissatisfaction filling their life because there are things they have not surrendered to God. Amen. And their health is suffering because of it. Their home is suffering for it. The churches are suffering for it. 
Revival is held back because of it. Oh, listen, that's not the way we're to respond. That's not the way God wants you to respond to things that happen in your life you can't understand. You don't have any answer, uh, and there's no explanation for it. God is silent. He doesn't tell you. You know, the Bible tells us in 1 Corinthians 13, 12, we know in part. We don't have full revelation down here of everything. But there's coming a day when the Bible says we will know even as we're known. God, you know, when we get to heaven, he's going to show us why he allowed this to happen. He's going to show it to us. Maybe when we get to heaven, we'll care less about it. We won't even ask about it. It'll be so wonderful to be up in heaven. We'll just totally forget about all those things that we couldn't figure out why God would allow them to happen, right? Could be that way, say. But the Bible does say he's going to make known to us things that we don't know. See, that's why you make sure you go to heaven. See, you want to go there because there's no uh, getting uh, answers down to hell. There's no answers down there. It's just more and more confusion, more and more bitterness, more and more hate. People in hell are filthy still. It means they just keep getting filthier and filthier. People in hell don't get better. People in hell get more filthy. I mean, more vile, more wicked, more. Hey, I don't want that kind of uh, people to be uh, my uh, people in eternity to you. I mean, people are filled with hate and, and murder and, and, and rape and lust. I'll tell you what, that's what hell's all filled with. Why would you want to be a part of that? I want to be a part where there's answers. God has answers. He's going to give you answers one day. If you know him as your savior and you're going to heaven, he'll give you some answers. Christ is the answer, friend. He's the answer to your needs. He's the answer to whatever you have as a need tonight. Jesus Christ. Let him take over. Quit holding back. Let him just move in, take over, lock, stock, and barrel. He's the answer. He's the one who can peace and joy into your heart and satisfaction into your life. He's the one who can uh, do that very thing. Now, the way to respond, how should we respond? We've seen how we shouldn't respond. How should we respond? Notice what the Bible says there, the last part of verse 10. Be thou faithful unto death, even if it means to die, you know? But I think the real meaning of that statement is this. Be thou faithful no matter what. No matter what happens, be faithful unto the Lord. Make up your mind you're going to be faithful to the Lord no matter what happens. Make that decision that no matter what happens in your life, you are going to be faithful to the Lord. And that's a decision you need to make ahead of time. Amen. You don't make that kind of decision when you come through the trial. You make that decision before the testing time comes. I'm going to be faithful to the Lord no matter what. No matter what my kids do. No matter what my health is. No matter what happens to my wife. No matter what happens to my husband. No matter what happens. I'm going to be faithful to the Lord no matter what. Say, that's the way God wants us to respond. No matter what. You know what that takes? That's being faithful. It takes being faithful now. It takes being faithful in the little things now. Luke 16, 10 says, Be thou faithful unto, uh, in the little things. Let me read it to you. Luke 16, are you listening? He that is faithful in that which is least in the little things. You know, it's really hard to be faithful to read your Bible every day. Every day, 
Read your Bible. Are you faithful to do that? See, the devil doesn't want you to do that. He wants you to back away from you. Oh, God loved this. I was going to church. You know, boy, this didn't work out. Well, I'm not going to read my Bible anymore. Devil sure loves that. When you stop being faithful in the little things that are really huge. Reading your Bible. Be thou faithful in the little things. Going to church. Be thou faithful in your prayer life. Be thou faithful to witness. Tell others of Christ. Be thou faithful in your giving. Be thou faithful. See, in that which is least, is faithful also in much. In other words, when much difficulty comes, much trial comes to your life. You know what? If you're not faithful in the little things now, when things are going your way, you will bail out when the t- going gets tough. Amen. You will be gone when you get a little opposition from your, or your dad or your mom or some relatives who, uh, you know, because you've gotten saved and you want to go to a Bible-even church. You bail out. But when you're faithful now to read your Bible and to walk with God and keep sin out of your life, I mean, one little sin gets between you and God, you're faithful to deal with it. You don't see the rocks, oh, it's just a little thing. It's not murder, it's not rape, it's just a little thing. Be faithful. The Bible says, he says there in Revelation chapter, you know what that also involves? It involves commitment to faithfulness no matter what. You're going to commit yourself to be ahead of time. You are going to commit yourself by God's grace, by God's grace. Hey, folks, where do you get God's grace? Read your Bible. Where do you get the grace to commit yourself faithful no matter what? You know, I mean, where you could get the ability to be faithful? Hey, it's when you're faithful in the little things, hey? When you're faithful, that's when God uh, strengthens you and gives you grace to be faithful when the tough times come, see? People that aren't faithful when the tough times aren't there, you know what, they bail out, they can't handle it. They just get bitter and they get unhappy and miserable because they haven't been faithful in the little things, see? And so uh, be committed uh, that you're going to be faithful no matter what. You know, there are three reasons why I want to be faithful no matter what. Three reasons. Number one, because Jesus was faithful for me no matter what. No matter what. He said, Father, if this, is there any other way to redeem Gary Gilmore from his sin? Anybody else, to, any other way to redeem this world from the, the curse of sin? Oh, Lord, I don't want to drink that cup. That cup's got all kinds of iniquity. Jesus was, was pure. He didn't have any sin. And that cup represented all the iniquity of the world. You know, he could have easily bailed out. He could have easily said, I'm not going to be faithful to do that. You know, he was faithful to go to that cross. He did something hard for us, folks. Listen, we don't know how hard it was for him to go to that cross and go through all that he went through for us. Us little pipsqueaks, us little specks of dust, dirt bags. That's all we are. You know, he went to that cross for you and for me. All that it'd get a hold of you. All that it would just conquer your heart. Paul said, the love of Christ has conquered me. I can't do anything else. I must serve the Lord. That's the difference between a good Christian and a poor one. That's the difference between a Christian. Well, sometimes I'll be in church. Sometimes uh, I got other things to do. I'm not going to go. Because I've been conquered by Calvary. Have you ever been conquered by Calvary love? What Jesus did in that cross for you. I got conquered one day. I said, okay, Lord. I mean, you, you sent your son for a little tread boy? 
I was born then. I was raised a traitor all my life. You mean you, you sent your son to go to that cross for a little traitor court boy? You said, I, I was fatherless. I didn't know my real father until I was 34. I was father. Never had a father. I mean, Lord, you sent your son for a fatherless boy? I'll tell you something. I was conquered. I said, Lord, I've, I never realized. I never realized how much you love me. And one day, it all of a sudden dawned on me how much Jesus Christ loved me. Oh, that that day would come in your life. I mean, it won't be hard to go to church. <laughs> it won't be hard to pray and read your Bible. It won't be hard to make surrender your all to the Lord. It won't be hard at all. It'll be the easiest thing you've ever done in your life. Okay. Oh, he went through hard things. Why should I have it so easy when he had it so hard? Why should Christians have it easy when our Savior went through hardness for us that we might be saved? That's why I want to be faithful no matter what because of my Savior. And I want to be faithful no matter what because it brings a crown of life. Look at the Bible says, be faithful in death and I will give thee a crown of life. You see, I want to be faithful because uh, God is going to reward and bless those who are faithful no matter what because it proves who you really love. Say, oh, we say I love you, Lord. I mean, I'm sure that the Lord gets tired of hearing people say, I love you, Lord. And he kind of like lean over the mouth of heaven and say, well, if you love me, why don't you get baptized then? You know, if you love me, why don't you join a good Bible in church and leave that old dead church that's not preaching the Bible? Why don't you leave that church? And if you love me, why don't you serve me? Why don't you come to church faithfully? If you love me, show it, prove it. You see, these people proved that they love the Lord and said, I got a special crown. I got a special crown for you. Because your love was not just words. It was action. Amen. It was life. Amen. You proved it by the way you lived that you really did love me. And lastly, you know what? I want to be faithful no matter what because it gives me an opportunity to testify loud and clear to everybody that I know that Jesus is better than anything. Jesus is better than anyone. Jesus is better than relatives. Jesus is better than health. Jesus is better than life. Jesus is better than a wife. Jesus is better than children. Jesus is better than anything. It gives me that opportunity to testify to you and to people I know, to my kids, my grandkids. Jesus. Is better than everything. Anything this world. He's so much better than health. He's so much better than money. He's so much better than homes. He's so much better than anything. You know, if my wife could come back uh, from heaven and she wouldn't want to, and I wouldn't want her to. You know, but if my wife could come back from heaven, I thank God I know she's there. Because one day she, as a 19-year-old teenage girl, called on Jesus to save her soul. And you know what? That's all it takes to get to heaven. You just call on him. You just totally put your dependence on him. You turn to him in repentance of faith. You receive him as your savior. And that's what my wife did. And she's in heaven now. But you know, if she could come back, she wouldn't want to. She wouldn't want to. You know, come back and look at this old perfect, imperfect guy again. Uh, she wouldn't want that. No. But the main reason why she wouldn't want to is because Jesus. 
is better than anything or anyone. He is better than light. You see, she'd rather have Jesus than silver or gold. She'd rather have Jesus than have riches untold. She'd rather have Jesus than houses or lands. She'd rather be led by his nail-pierced hand than to be the queen of a vast domain or be held in sin's dread sway. She'd rather have Jesus than anything this old world affords today. And I don't know about you folks, so would I. So would I. Let's bow our heads and arch in prayer. Father, we just thank you for the word of God. And I pray that uh, you'll help us, Lord, to be prepared uh, for trials and troubles. Uh, Lord, uh, uh, we're born to trouble as the sparks fly upward, even if we're not saved. It's a trouble-filled world. And uh, Lord, but we thank you that uh, as saved people, we can go through adversity and trouble. Yes, we will. But oh, we have you to be with us, to uphold us. To give us strength to go through these things. Lord, I tell you, it's so good to know you. And Lord, if there's anybody here that doesn't know for sure they're saved, I pray that you would help them to see the need of, of coming to Christ and how they can be a winner and not a loser uh, by receiving Christ their Savior, Lord. Don't let the devil trick them. Don't let the devil delude them into thinking that, oh, that's a, a way of uh, loss. There's no fun. There's no joy there. Oh, Lord, don't let the devil trick them. I pray you'll remove the blindfold of Satan and help them to see that Christ is the answer to their need, uh, whatever it may be. So, Lord, work in our hearts, I pray, in Jesus' precious name and for his sake. Answer, bow, the eyes are closed. Pianist begins to play an invitation song of her choice. You can begin to play it right away. And, you know, uh, as our heads are bowed and our eyes are closed, let me ask you, is there some repenting you need to do tonight? Is there some repenting you need to do tonight? You know, we never quit repenting after we get saved. The Christian life is a life of repenting. It's a life of repenting. Is there something the Spirit of God is talking to you about that you need to repent of? Maybe, maybe, uh, my friend, you've been reacting in a wrong way to some circumstances that have come into your life. You've not been reacting and responding in faith and in surrender. And you need to repent of that tonight. You need to repent of that. Say, Lord, forgive me. I, I've, I've not responded and reacted the way I should. Would you please forgive me? Would you please forgive me? Maybe tonight you need to repent of not being faithful in the little things. Reading your Bible. Praying. Come to church. You kind of dropped off here and there. You need to repent of not being faithful in the little things. And get back to being faithful in the little things. Maybe tonight you need to repent and receive Christ as your Savior. You need to ask him to save you for all eternity. He wants to. He loves you. And he died for you. And he can save your soul. And so, as we're uh, sitting here tonight, as you're sitting there, 
and, and there's a repenting the Spirit of God has talked to your heart about doing, then I want you to come and make a decision about that and just do some repenting tonight. Just come up here and just get on your knees and do some repenting. Let's all stand together. Let's all stand together. If God spoke in your heart about some repenting you need to do, would you slip down this aisle tonight and just get on your knees and say, Lord, forgive me. I've not trusted you like I should in something. I have not surrendered something to you that I need to surrender. And I'm coming and told us, would you come and do Maybe you need to get saved tonight. I don't know what that may be. Uh, maybe that's your need. Christ is the answer. He's the answer. He always will be. He always has been. Would you come and take him as your Savior? Have you made that decision to receive Christ? If you haven't, why don't you come right up here? I'll, I'll meet you up here. You just come right to me and say, Preacher, I'm not sure. I'm really saved. I want to know for sure. I, I want to know I'm going to heaven. Would you slip out and come right now from where you're standing? From where you're standing? Okay. Anybody else quickly? Anybody else quickly? You know, revival comes when God's people repent. If my people would you call my name, shall humble themselves and pray, seek my face and turn from their wicked way, then will I hear from heaven, forgive their sin, heal their land. Oh, I like to see revival. You know, wouldn't it be? You know, if revival is ever going to come to our country, it's going to start in some little church. It's not starting a big one because men would get the glory then. It's going to start in some little church, just a handful of people. Wouldn't it be wonderful if it started right here in Pocatello? Oh, man, it could. But maybe the Lord's waiting on you to repent. It'd be terrible to get to heaven. The Lord said, you know, if you would have repented, could have revival. Sodom and Gomorrah. I mean, Abraham stopped praying after 10 because he thought, well, you know, Lot's going to have his family, right? They're going to be doing right. But they never repented. And a whole city was destroyed. Oh, dear friend, is there some repenting that you need to do? Do it, do it. Pastor, you come and close this God, lead you, please.